when you take suicide, bears, and a lot of drugs. You get a good reason to watch movies after work. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Dewis. And this is Thomas Green. And this is Movies After Work. Tom, how you been? Uh, stuck in a house. <laughs> that's uh, that's been the extent of it for me. I'm that's as exciting as I get. How about you? Um, about the same. About the same. Um, kind of wish we were talking about a better movie. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This I one too. was my choice because I sat through it. So I figured someone else should have to endure it. Yeah, you literally texted me. You literally texted me. Well, I just sat through Midsummer, so. <laughs> I want I want to be able to talk about it. I didn't want it to be all for naught. I think my I think my words were I want to vent about it or bitch about it. Not yes, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Um. Ordinarily, we talk about trailers first, uh, but there's not really any trailers to speak of, so we were thinking of moving movie news up first. Um, and speaking of moving things around, the one thing that I wanted to touch on specifically was. Uh, the Marvel dates being moved around, um, specifically Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and uh, Thor Love and Thunder. They seem to basically have swapped places and Thor is going to come out first now and Doctor Strange has been pushed back to 2020. Is that right? I believe so. I think I'm well, not back to I think. Um, I mean, with the with the rest of them, I imagine there's other factors with that. My guess would either be due to a change in the release of the WandaVision series, which is supposed to be a precursor to um, to Doctor Strange. I believe that one, I think even Loki, the series, might be as well, be a precursor. Okay. So it's probably either A, that, or B, director's availability, because um, yeah. it might be that Raimi is not going to be able to meet that... Um, that release time, but uh, Takiti would, so they they swapped. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's that's initially what I thought in my mind. I hadn't even really thought about the fact that uh, WandaVision and or Loki might play into it. Um, but I feel like Tyke is a guy who, when he gets a fire under his ass, he wants to like he, he wants to get something you know you know developed as soon as possible. And I think he already has ideas brewing. And the fact that we have now um, presumably locked in Sam Raimi, uh, they might be allotting him more time to iron out a story. Well, uh, at, at this point, he's he's confirmed yeah. online that he is, in fact, making the movie. Yeah. So the big question is, where do you want to see, uh, see Ash, Ash Williams? I, I would not be hurt if Ash showed up in Doctor Strange. Um, what I would love to see them, what I would love to see them do, because it's it's a perfect have your cake and eat it too thing, is have them, if we're going into multiverses, this is a, perf this is a perfect opportunity to take uh, people, celebrities that were almost cast in roles and put them in those roles for a movie. Yeah. So, like, you could have Iron Man in the movie, but it could be the Sam Rockwell one. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could have John Krasinski, Captain America, and and other things like that. You know, it's, it's a fun, it's a perfect and fun opportunity 
to take some of these characters that we already know and love and then give us a different version of them. So you're, you know, you're still technically putting them in the movie, but it's something completely new, different and, and unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had some movie news that you wanted to talk about. I did. Yeah. About Tom Hanks. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tom Hanks is going to save the world. Um, I was, I just mentioned it as a joke, but yeah, no, I mean, Tom Hanks and his wife donating blood to, to help stop the, the spread of the coronavirus is, there's no actual movie news. So yeah, I I think this is justified. I mean, it's just, it's just the continuation of that whole, like, can Tom Hanks be any nicer? <laughs> that it almost seems like he's challenging himself. Like, okay, yeah. how fucking crazy nice of a person can I be? I know. Here had the like, the the day he sadly dies, it's gonna be because he donated all of his organs <laughs> to like children in need. Yeah. And he wasn't dead yet. Yeah. Like he was just like, well, I you know, I think yeah, I just feel like these kids could use my kidneys more than me. So, so let's, you know, let's just give them out. You know, let's, yeah. just, let's just hand them around. <laughs> Tom Hanks continues to be too good for this world. Yes. I mean, that's, that really is what it boils down to, is that the world has never deserved Tom Hanks and never will. Yeah. <laughs> um, even, right. even when you um, take his son into account, not Colin, the <laughs> other one, where he's still too good for this world. <laughs> all right have we done delayed the inevitable enough uh yeah i think we've done i we've done we've done as good as we possibly can to avoid talking about this film yeah yeah it is time so so today we're going to be talking about midsummer um written and directed by ari Aster, who wrote and directed Hered- uh, hereditary uh which we've talked about on this show cooking in the hallway the movie. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get it out of the way up front. Do you like this better or worse than Hereditary? Worse. Yeah. This is worse. this is far worse. Uh, there were there were some redeeming factors mm-hmm. to to Hereditary. The the number one being Tony Collette's performance. Yeah. Uh, this movie just had nothing redeemable about it. No. Whatsoever. The, the only redeeming quality was Mark, uh, the kid from Where the Millers, and Maze Runner. And, uh, well, it also well it also had William Jackson Harper, but, I mean, I just kept watching him going, oh, it's Chidi from The Good Place. Yeah, yeah, Josh in the, Josh in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, once, it, once the friends were killed, I'm like, I've lost. Yeah, and oh, we, had almost, we, we had almost an entire hour left of the movie, and they were dead. <laughs> It was like, oh, uh, uh, so, okay, why did we bother, I guess, is the question. <laughs> um, you, you touched on it, and it, it, it was the same, um, the same problems that I had with the film. Uh, this film is not satisfying in any way. Um, no. I've had more satisfying times, uh, like, dry-humping someone for an hour and then leaving with blue balls 
Um, I've been more satisfied sitting on the toilet with constipation for an hour and a half. Um, this film is not like... No, keep keep going. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving. I'm leaving you to you've 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 gone down a rabbit hole. No, um, those were my two examples. I was I was gonna I was just gonna go with I've had more satisfying experiences gain over the cold. But yeah, sure. <laughs> you you want you want to talk about what was hopefully just high school problems for you? Then sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um. This film is really self-indulgent. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's a lot of what you had talked about with Hereditary, where there might be some interesting ideas going on in his head, mm-hmm. but he doesn't allow the audience to be informed of enough of them. And he went to great lengths to establish this, you know, sort of cult society without ever telling us why we should be interested in them and ever establishing any rules with them. He just assumed that we would be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the, I mean, they're basically a weird blend of Waco and Amish community and a 60s hippie commune. Yeah. I mean, literally the rules for these people boil pretty much boil down to we have four sections of age and once you hit all of once you've passed all of those we expect you to die yeah and beyond that go about your business we're occasionally going to drag in people from the outside world to to have sex with your your daughters <laughs> so that way yeah, that, that scene was very very uncomfortable it, you know it wasn't as uncomfortable as he wanted it to be like, it, he, he thought I was way more uncomfortable than I actually was. It was uncomfortable because it was very much wanting to be uncomfortable. Like, it was because it wanted to be so, it was, it was very cringeworthy, but yeah. kind of like shows like, you know, the, the episode of The Office where they go over for the dinner party. Yeah. That sort of cringy where it's like you are trying to be something you are not so much <laughs> that it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's this um this film is very bizarre and I you know, I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing uh is it Florence Poog? Um in sure. something that I'll actually be interested in. Um, I want to go now and watch uh, Fighting With My Family um, just to see her in something redeeming. I have I have full faith that she is a great actress. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She got fucked over royal in this movie, though, because yeah. it legitimately, constantly in the film, I felt like we were cutting into a scene halfway through it uh-huh. So like the part where she's walking and like crying after yeah. the the whole cliff sacrifice thing, like people always showed that as like oh this is why she needs to win an Oscar and I'm like 
we skipped to the second half. Like there, I, I don't feel at all like we're at the starting point of this moment with her. I feel like we're halfway through it and I'm just not impressed with only seeing the second half. Yeah. Her jobs in this film are basically relegated to being irritating, crying and being distraught. I mean, that's, like yeah that's about it Mm -hmm. um so to the film starts in her um she's bothering her boyfriend because she got a suspicious email from her sister and it's (laughs) supposed to be shocking that she has her sister has killed herself and her parents and that's but that's part of it though for me and it's why like because like first of all it's not just suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like I'm taking mom and dad with me. Yeah. Like even even if no, you're that's explicit. Even if your even if your sister, even if you know somebody who will on occasion or routinely gives suicide threats or leaves mm-hmm. suicide notes, even in that situation, you're st- we're still talking about this person is now threatening the lives of others. Yeah. They, at that point, you don't try to get a hold of your, you know, you try to get a hold of your parents and your sister, obviously, but you you do so after you've called the police. Yeah. You know, you do, like, it's not, like, it's not just, oh, this is scary. It's, okay, the second you read this, you should have done something instead of pacing around in your apartment all day, calling these people and them not answering. Yeah. And that that is that is like a driving theme of this movie is like not not even the cult or, or, or whatever we're referring to it as it, these people do not act as rational people. They never once make a rational decision <laughs> through this film. Nobody makes a rational decision once in this film. It, not it's, once. It, it's not even like horror movie logic of like, Oh, I wouldn't go in that room. It's like, no, the second I stepped off the plane and like the very first thing we did is mushrooms. And then like we, we saw where we were going and we realized we were all going to sleep in one giant communal room with a crying baby in the corner. Like I'm out. I'm I'm absolutely out. Mm. Well, and that's like, so Continuing with the start of the movie before they even get to the commune, I'm like I was sitting there, and it's you know it's very obvious, it's very clear. Like okay, the sister at least is is done. Yeah, that's that is for sure happening. I know it. You know, like everyone knows that this is not shocking or new information. And then they show. The, the, like, fire department slash police slash paramedics, whoever, coming to the house. Yeah. And we're spending, like, a full minute just following all of the, like, hose, hosing that she is, like, it's a, com- it's, it's an almost comedic level of overkill. <laughs> like, her sister turned into Wiley Coyote. In her attempt to end her life and her parents' life. Yeah. And 
it was to that point where I'm sitting there going, beyond the fact that you have yet to make any of the living characters appealing, likable people, you're now showing me this cartoonishly over the t- like literally a way to commit suicide that you would only do if in your head you were in a movie and you wanted to draw the tension about what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And then we we basically get a we like zoom into the the sister's face which is like it's supposed to be grotesque and shocking but honestly it's not all that shocking when no. we've walked up the stairs and and have figured it out by the time we turn the corner. But even then, it's still not that shocking. And honestly, like, they can, her face can be whatever it was, but I spent my whole time staring at her shirt that she was wearing going, wait, is that vomit on her shirt? How did, <laughs> how did she vomit with the hose taped over her mouth? Like, it, yeah. it, it's really safe to say that we, like, we as a society need to stop letting these white guys, like these white 20, 30 something guys make a movie for their first time out and then losing our fucking minds about it because it is going to their fucking heads. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only one who seemingly, well, no, that doesn't work. You said you specified white. I was about to say I specified white, so Jordan Peele's yeah. not on the list. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I, I believe his last name is Eggers, but the guy who um, made The Witch and Lighthouse, I want to watch those films before I, I throw him into the judgment of it. Yeah. But I didn't get any sense watching this movie that Ari Aster or whatever his name is, um, I didn't get the sense that he knew much of anything about suicide, women, or other cultures. Uh-huh. It felt like he knew nothing about any of those things and was just writing a movie. Yeah. Um, well, it just felt like it just felt like sh- like shock for shock's sake. It felt like uh, you know a a grotesque image for for the sake of it. Like everything in this movie feels like escalation for the sake of it. Yep. Um, you know, because it is. It, it is, and we and, and and you know what? That's sometimes that is effective. If you don't start, you know, at a at a place that's already so, you know, fucking incredibly high, um, or you know, like nothing, nothing at that point is shocking because like everything is supposed to be shocking. Yeah. Um. But, and, you know, like, and and every everything that he, like, I don't know if he thinks he's surprising us with anything, but like as soon as we're having dinner with the old couple and they kind of toast to each other and the, the woman like places her hand on the, on the, ma- on the man's chest, I'm like, Oh, so they're going to kill themselves. Like, like nothing is, is yeah. shocking or surprising in this. Well, and there's always, I mean, it's, it felt very textbook to have like, Oh, the people that are sacrificing their lives, you know, it felt like a very textbook thing to have happen. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was a movie that I like. I was legitimately getting angry at this movie because um, there were so many things that didn't make sense. You know, we talk about you know at one point 
they talk about how this is like an every 90 years thing. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, okay, so then not a single one of you bastards has ever done one of these. So stop talking about how great they are <laughs> and how normal well, it is. Well, it's it seemed like they, they had made mention of something like they celebrate Midsummer every year, but like this this celebration of like the they they choose a May Queen every year. It seems like most of this happens every year, except like what we're supposed to see is like really shocking, like the nine deaths at the end, like the nine sacrifices or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, with nothing being shocking in this, um, when when Danny is given the choice at the end of the film as to whether or not to sacrifice someone from the village or to sacrifice her her boyfriend Christian, like. Again, you never think once in your in in your mind that it's going to be anyone other than Christian because it yep. wouldn't be shocking if it wasn't. So, so it defeats the purpose of the shock. There, like, yeah. there's nothing in it. This movie is so it feels so hollow. It feels like it is trying to be so indulgent and so smart and so subversive and shocking and it's it feels like none of those things yeah but and that was like again you were just talking about the ending you know, they're sitting there going all right and then the you know the queen gets to to pick the the queen gets to pick the the ninth person and in my head i was like okay she's we know she's picking christian it's obvious yep. it's clear as fucking day wouldn't it be so fucking cool if she chose the girl he slept with as a way of being like taking ownership over him Uh on a like permanent drastic level. And then as soon as they were like, okay, your choices are your boyfriend that you watched sleeping around on you or some guy. Yeah. Yeah. It would have it would have made a difference, or it, or it at least would have had some tension if the if the other guy was like Pele or someone that we have you know met yeah. in the film at this point. Yep. Um, the fact that she's given uh, given a choice between you know random white guy number fifty two out of this crowd of people or Christian, like nothing is there to lead me to believe that it's going to be anyone other than Christian. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess because he was chosen by the May Queen, that's why he gets to be in the bear. I don't understand that either. No, they they weren't clear on that, and that's honestly that's whatever. They, <laughs> that one I can live with stuff like that, but it's the inconsistencies, like you know what we'd already mentioned, or um, you know the one that confused me is. In one scene, Pele's taking him around and going, oh, this is where the children sleep and explains the age ranges. So we establish this is where the children sleeps means this is where everyone 18 and younger sleeps. Cut to them sleeping there and they're not 18 or younger. So why are they sleeping in this room? (laughs) Yeah, it's all it's all very bizarre. Um. Ah, shoot, I had something, but then I lost it. Yeah, I mean, Christian is not particularly compelling. Um, Nobody is compelling in this movie, though. No, no one is compelling, but at least Mark and Josh were interesting to watch. Uh, like, let's see, I Mark 
Mark got old for me because asshole over uh, over Christian being fucking you know bland as all hell. But it's, it got exhausting that literally the only things that would come out of Mark's mouth were lazy, cheap insults. Yeah. And Josh just sucked at his job so hard. <laughs> they constantly, Josh is going, oh, is this this? And someone goes, no. No. <laughs> They, they, you, you, this is what you want to do your thesis on, and you're coming out here and talking like, you know, somebody who's never driven a car before trying to, to catch the problem with the car before the dealership does. Yeah. They, you don't know what you're talking. Just let it be. Yeah. Also, again... Like you said, Josh doesn't know what he's talking about with with half of the half of the shit he says. When when Paley's like, "Oh, tomorrow is going to be this big ceremony," and then Josh goes, "Is that is it going to be a real one?" <laughs> and, and they go, and they're like, "Christian's like, oh, tell us what is it?" And they're like, "Oh, you'll just see tomorrow." Oh, and he's if, got the fucking we, smirk on his face. If we had ever gone somewhere, you and I, and. They said, oh, there's going to be a big ceremony tomorrow. And you went, is it going to be a real one? And I said, oh, Tom, what is it? And you go, oh, you'll see. And someone literally kills themselves in front of me. We're no longer friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is just in general, never trust any location on this earth that is tranquil. <laughs> if you go somewhere, especially somewhere man-made, and it just feels, tra- like, it feels relaxing, like, you could just relax. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. It's at that point, you go, no, 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 just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, also, I'm tr- I was trying to watch it with, you know, sort of the the idea that Ari Aster was just trying to make a film with a series of very well-composed shots because a lot of them are very well-composed. But, like, you just picked an interesting location yeah, and, and put interesting iconography and, and um, like, buildings, you know, uh, around it. Um, it. It just... And it gets to be boring after a while. Oh, I mean, Absolutely. Because we don't establish any of this stuff, we know we know that one place is off limits. One place is kind of sort of a temple, but apparently we also fuck there. And then a place where, and then a place where some of the characters sleep, but not all of them. But maybe I'm not sure because it seems like the group of people that are there is constantly changing. Yeah. It did not feel yeah. like there were a consistent number of people in this commune doing all their May Flower, May Queen stuff together. So, yeah. I think uh, I think you had said it when we were um, recording about Hereditary, uh, but it but is it um, is it Hereditary that Ari Aster used as a as like a metaphor for death? Or a way to get through death, and then this one was a way to get through a breakup. 
Well, that that one, I I know it was supposed to be his family drama, but yeah, this one was supposed to be some sort of metaphor about a breakup. And it's just like, okay, well, either A, you were the girl, you weren't necessarily in the wrong, you think you were right 100%, and your stereotypical views of women are not very flattering, or you were the guy... And you were, and you are aware, but clearly don't care that you were an asshole that tr- did not treat her right. And you still think that the end, you still think that everything I've said is is true and believable when it's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing is like the way that we we've said there's no one compelling in this film. Like there's no one to root for. Like sure we spend we we spend the most time with Danny, but like I don't like Danny. I don't sympathize with her or empathize no. with her. I, I don't I don't feel like she's justified in her, um, you know, really any of her decisions with with Christian. Her, um, you know, her wanting to be with him, but then being frustrated with him. Like none of this plays, and you know. <laughs> Like, we're supposed to feel sorry for her and think that Christian's a horrible guy because he forgot her birthday, which, you know, take that for whatever you want. But, like, yeah. it just seems like the lamest shit. Like, you're you're flying in on her birthday. You're landing on her birthday. Mm-hmm. So, so how it slipped your mind doesn't make any sense. But, like, we're using it as, like, just the, the lamest excuse. Like we're supposed to see Christian as a bad guy now because he's because he forgot a birthday. Yeah, like that's what we're going with. Yeah, like he's he is not the most attentive boyfriend, therefore he's evil. But <laughs> therefore for, she's justified at the end by cho- choosing him to be killed. Yeah. Okay. Well, and for some reason we're supposed to feel like the sex is a punishment as well. Like, yes, he was drugged, so he didn't really think about it. He. You know, but, I mean, if he, I don't know, it made no sense to me that if he cares so little about the relationship in the first place, that he would be so bothered that he had just had sex with another woman. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it just continues the series of, like, decisions no actual human being would make. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you're if you're taking this trip... Like, they make a point to say continuously, which, again, I don't understand why, because we've all seen the trailers, and we wouldn't be watching this movie if Danny doesn't go with them to uh, to Sweden. But we, he continues to say, I invited Danny, but she's not coming with us. Like, she, she's going she's gonna to say yes, but she's not actually coming with us. But I invited her, but she's not coming with... Like, and, and I'm just like, why? Like, why, yeah. why, is, why any of this? Why did you invite her? Like, why are we playing it up that she's not going to come along as if this is not what the entire movie is based upon? Well, like, I also I also love that in the previous scene, all of her friends were all of his friends were just like, oh, my God, dump the bitch, get rid of her. And then <laughs> and then in the next scene, hey, she's tagging along on our, our trip. Yeah, OK. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mark makes a comment of like, hey, can you read this paragraph that I wrote in the other room? And that's that's all the confrontation that we see, but we don't even see it because no. we stay with Danny outside of the room. But if you're Mark and you really hate Danny this much, if I'm in that position, if I'm Mark in that position, 
I give I give Christian the ultimatum, and I'm like, okay, dude, either she goes or you're like, or I'm not going, <laughs> or, or you're yeah. not coming. Like, if you want her to come so badly, like, you can fucking stay here. Yeah. Like. <laughs> or you can go, since you already have the tickets, but you're not going to stay with us during, like, we're going to go our way, you're going to go yours, that's the bottom line. Yeah. <clears throat> you can stay in Sweden where it's safe and nice, people are nice, they have health care, and we're going to go to this weird little cult. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, it's amazing to me how many things it would be obvious to need to do right out the gate that aren't done. They, first of all, people writing theses does, does not a good horror movie make just doesn't. (laughs) But on top of that, the, um, just if you're like, they're, you know, again, with the whole, the bad decisions, they're going and doing all this stuff. Like if I'm going somewhere to, to like study and study them, you know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to go ask for fucking permission. Yeah. Not, not wait until like halfway through and go, Oh, by the way, is it okay if I do this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we say they're going to stay there you know, something like a week or, or nine days, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but it's not until like day three that Josh asked Pele about writing his thesis on, on this place. Yeah. Like, okay. If you, if that was your intention coming here, you should have already have three days of writing under your belt. Not, <laughs> not starting from scratch on day three. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't think, uh, writing a college thesis is the best, uh, plot for uh for a horror movie you don't want to be reminded of schoolwork and you're crushing student debt (laughs) (laughs) i don't i mean honestly if you're like if it was if the movie was actually about the like they were a group of friends that were doing the thesis together Mm -hmm. and so they were trying to do that with all like noticing weirder and weirder shit going on that would have been more interesting than all the options in in the movie. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't... I, you know, one scene that I actually kind of liked was the confrontation between Josh and Christian. Um, you know, I loved Josh's delivery of, like, I really think it's ballsy of you. For, like, I see what you're doing, and I actually applaud it. Like... Oh, yeah. I well, think he's a good this, actor, so... This slimy. Yeah. Well... The, all that confrontation is completely for naught when nothing nothing comes of it. Well, it, it, it's decided they're going to do their thesis together, and that's it. And then Josh puts in all the work, and then gets his head, cr- you know. Well, the, I mean, for it. literally, the whole reason that we're doing that, the whole reason that the that the movie is having them do joint theses. Okay. Two reasons. One, just to make sure that you don't like Christian, be- so that and hope that you don't notice that all this effort to get him to lo- to lo- or um, be unlikable is just to not feel bad later. Um, yeah. But it's also literally like s- story wise, it's to give Josh the determination to want like 
you know, he's in a race against time, so that's why he's going to violate their order and go in to take photos of the book. Yeah. So, um, is, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of lost track of where Mark went to in this film and how he died exactly. Um, and I was too disinterested to, you know, rewind and figure it out. But like, do you recall what happened to Mark? He follows the girl after pissing on the tree of life or whatever. He, He follows the girl off from the table and then that's the last we see of him the next the next time we technically see him is when the guy is wearing his face as a mask when he kills josh yeah which is i mean i don't know what they were going for but like that did not look like mark (laughs) i don't know what i don't know what they were going for on many levels yeah because it's like oh no he's dead like, <laughs> how hard is this mystery really going to be? Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, is it when Christian, uh, like, runs into the barn and he sees the, the chickens, like, pecking it, was his son, was his name Simon, the other yeah. American couple? No, the British couple, but gotcha. yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Was that supposed to be his lungs inflating, like, to... I think so. I thought so, too. To imply that he might still be alive and to, you know, insinuate that there's a jump scare about to happen because we're getting awfully close to his face. Yeah. But, like, again, not like, when you think something might happen, nothing happens. And then when he's leading you or, or trying to mislead you, you know exactly where they're going. Yep. Um... It's it's overall a very like very frustrating film. Yeah, well, and then you end up with moment like at the very end. He's also when he's running around, he sees the foot stick sticking up from the ground, and I I immediately went, "Whose fucking foot is that?" <laughs> my um my thinking was that it was Josh. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, it. Like so, let's let's go to the let's go to the the suicide cliff scene because I I feel like there's lots that can be dissected there. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the gore is just so fucking useless in that scene. Yeah, I. So I think I'm a little broken, um, because. When I see really intense score like that, um, whether it's intended to be or not, I, nine times out of ten, will start laughing really hard. Um, I just, I just, it, shit like that really amuses me. Um, there's, there was multiple times when I saw John Wick 3 in theaters when people were going, ooh, while, that, while I was just like belly laughing. It was so, so funny to me. Um, there was a moment in Birds of Prey where Victor Zaz takes a man's face off mm-hmm. and like you see him carrying the face and I'm pretty sure I was the only person in the theater laughing really, really hard at that point. Um, <laughs> so, so the cliff scene made me laugh really hard, but I do not think that was the intended purpose. I doubt it. The, the cliff scene to me was just so, 
it was so ridiculous because again, it was that whole nobody's behaving how humans really would. Yeah. We had things like, you know, Simon and Connie when they're leaving, instead of just gracefully sneaking out to stay alive. Yeah. They they make a big announcement and a big show out of it, and yeah. obviously that's what gets them killed. It's, but yeah, I the 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 gore frustrated me just because again, like you know, if you had had this movie where they landed on the ground and you never saw like full on gore, but then you had like saddle bomb, you know, like, like saddle swap of, of visuals or something like that where we're keeping the gore out of it. And you're just having to imagine that stuff would just be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you said in, in hereditary, like it seems like he can't leave well enough alone. Um, I mean, I laughed during the scene, but that's, like I said, because I think I'm a little broken. Um, that certainly <laughs> wasn't his intent. Like, when, um, it's it's like in Hereditary where, you know, you had talked about, like, wouldn't it have been more powerful if, like, all we heard was the mother's scream? And we don't see in the backseat of the car, but we cut to the head laying in the street. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was unnecessary there. Um I, I really, you know, I liked the tracking shot of, of the woman, you know, having jumped off the cliff, like falling down. But I think it's at that point that we cut to, um, we cut to Danny and like, she, she jumps and puts her hands over her mouth, but like, we immediately cut back to it to see her face hitting the rock and then bouncing off. And it's just a splatter of blood. And there's basically no, no she's got like, there she's got like the flapping side of, of her lower jaw yeah. flapping in the wind. And then the rest, the rest of her is so blatantly not a body that there's no weight to it anyway. But yeah, if we like, if right before she landed, you cut away to Danny reacting to it, you're imagining what they, you know, what it looked like when she hit. And that's going to be worse. Yeah. Um, and like we we have the hammer there because I guess this was all completely planned that the man would land on his feet and not die and would have to be struck by the hammer. I just assumed well, I just assumed it was emergency backup. <laughs> well, the way that the crowd, you know, started moaning along with him, like it 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 almost felt orchestrated. Also, if you're gonna jump off a cliff. And, and no sailor dive. Like no sailor dive. Where it's like a fall from this height wouldn't kill me, and he's like, I know, and he drops him on his feet and breaks his feet. Yeah. Like if if I'm jumping off a cliff with the intention to kill myself, I'm gonna try to go head first. Yeah. Yeah. The. the I mean, I assumed that the hammer was like in case we, like, uh, you know, just in case we need it to put them out of their misery thing. Mm -hmm. But I was perfectly fine, and I didn't even mind seeing it, I was perfectly fine with the first time he was hit with the hammer. Yeah. But to have the, like, extreme close-up of his, like, of him just, like, being a watermelon in a Gallagher show (laughs) on the second hit. Yeah. I was just like, that is so pointless 
Yeah. Like, you've well, done nothing to me. Like, this is, like... Th- and that's, this is, this is maybe me, <laughs> this is maybe me reading into it too much or giving him too much credit, but that's why I had thought it was part of ceremony. Because they hit him, he's very clearly dead, and they hit him again, and they maybe even hit him a third time, I can't remember, but like... Well, it I seemed, had, it seemed like the girl that they made hit him the last time given her age i almost thought it was like the father going all right you you gotta learn how to do this you gotta pass on the tradition of uh you gotta pass on that tradition to killing them killing them people off it's just yeah it's just tradition so get used to it gotcha (laughs) um is there any other scenes that you particularly like or disliked in this film uh, well, I can tell you what scene I liked, and now I can tell you about the scenes I didn't like. <laughs> um, that was very good. <laughs> thank you. Um, it just, everything about this movie did not work for me, and it was two and a half fucking hours. Yeah. Like, it, two and a half. It felt like it. Two and a half hours, and we're clear, like we were clearly trying to do some sort of symbolic motif that made no sense of her like noticing her body and nature becoming one um, with the hand and then the feet. But yeah. there was a full hour between those two moments, and they were the only two in his little symbolic motif. It was pointless for to to even bother doing it. It yeah. made no sense. Um, you know, she's an incredibly trusting person was for someone with trust issues. Um, it just, even, even with the suicide scene again, how are there only two people in that entire fucking commune that are 72? Are they Adam and Eve? Yeah. Like, what are the odds that there are only two 72 year olds in that entire community (laughs) at that time? The, the the math on it just does not make sense. Um, the, you know, I I also love the, the romance of the sex scene in, you know, the fact that, as, as I wrote down in my notes, you know, who doesn't want to fuck someone who is acting like their appendix burst? You know, that's how he's acting the whole time. And I'm just like, how do you, how do you accomplish anything? with that um the and i you know and even then like even then with the stupidity of it all there's you know in the room before the room where he's having sex with essentially a stranger surrounded by a wall of strangers one of whom comes around to give him a push yeah um which had to be just such proud parents for for her getting that role, um, but now, do you, do you uh, but think in the that first was improvisation, or that was Ari Aster on the on the day, like let's try it one more time this way. I don't want to know. I really don't. But with all of that, what's in the first room? A modesty curtain. Yeah. For changing into your sex robe. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's literally. It's literally like I it's it's literally like if you politely 
excused yourself to the restroom to change before joining the orgy. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like, I was like, let me have a moment of modesty and decor before we see every inch of each other's bodies. <laughs> before you can tell what religion I am, let me go have a little privacy. Um, the, you know, the, um, what were some of the other things I noticed before I get to my, my big fuck you to this movie? Um, all that unison moaning, laughing, whatever shit in the movie was fucking stupid and it got old. Yeah, it was, um, it was really insufferable. Like, and because they were really committed to the physical emotion of, of whatever the emotion was, instead of just being stone-faced, like, if all the, if, like every single time people were screaming in anguish with other people screaming in anguish, their faces were completely stone-faced, like, they, to show you, like, they're really not feeling this emotion, they're just becoming one or something, yeah. then it might have been a little creepy, but it was just annoying. Yeah. They, it would... It just, it got old so fucking fast. Um, well, you know, let me, let me go back to the, the ending real quick. Cause what is so irritating was after like two and a half hours, two hours and 40 minutes or whatever it is, you know, we, Danny get the, gets this catharsis at the end where, you know, she sees the, the building burning and everyone screaming in the background because someone in the in the building started screaming, screaming, like, and she starts smiling because now Christian is dead. Aside from her just being a terrible person, yeah. And and if we ever sympathize with her in the film, we should not be doing it now. Yeah. Like, what is what is to happen now? Does she stay here? Does she just arrive back in the United States without the three people or four people that she flew to Sweden with? Like, I mean, that's why I I assume, I assume in the realm of things that we're not thinking through that she just stays there. mm I, you know, I assume that that's, that's where we go from there. Um, I mean, I guess it's not a question that I need answered, but, I mean, I, yeah, there are a lot of questions I don't really need answers to in this movie, um, <laughs> except for the fact that it really was not clear how old the girl he was fucking was. Yeah. that yeah. And that bothered the shit out of me. Well, what what is really not appealing to think about was like, it seemed implied like oh, she just became a woman and you just yeah. got the blessing to, to you know, take advantage of that. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like they were saying, like, oh, yeah, last weekend she got her very first period. So <laughs> if you can go over there and knock a baby into her real quick, that'd be great. <laughs> and that's what I thought, too. And that was what I was like, okay, I don't like that that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me even more uncomfortable that I'm looking at her naked body right now because it's all that's on screen. Like, yeah. like the, everything about this is making me very uncomfortable, and not in the way that he wants it to. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe that's so he can justify killing Christian at the end, and you know, 
have the audience be on the on their side. It's been like over two hours at that point. If he really thinks he hasn't given enough reasons to be okay with the killing of a fictional character, <laughs> then I don't know where the the overblown confidence in everything else he does comes from. <laughs> if he doesn't have confidence in that, yeah. Um, but I I will say the my biggest fuck you to this movie. Um, and this would like, this is, this is no joke to me. This is very like, it, it bothered me. And I mentioned it a little bit with, uh, hereditary, but this movie just kind of confirmed it to me, which is this, this fucking asshole clearly views people with disfigurements as props to like be like, ooh, look how weird their face is. Isn't that creepy? Like, oh, yeah. His attitude towards these people is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Um, the, the, and it's one of those things... It's the, the, the explanation in the film is this is only the result of inbreeding. Like, and the implication there being this is only ever the result of inbreeding. Yeah. Like, that, that is truly pretty gross. Well, um, and he's also that looks like more than one generation of inbreeding. Yeah, um, but he like he's in two scenes. Literally, if you never showed him and he was just this person and you never saw him, yeah, and you could still have the whole explanation of we have someone who's inbred and therefore mentally disabled who creates our religion for us. Yeah, beyond the fact because that he's that's unclouded. Beyond the fact that, that that's so ridiculously idiotic a, yeah. a premise, it's just so insulting to view yeah. to how much... Like, it's one of those things where I don't understand why there aren't people that interview him for movies just flat-out point-blank going to him and being like, why, do you, why is this your view of these people? Like, yeah. why, why is this how you view them instead of as human beings like they are or, you know, not scary, creepy things that you can use for shock value. Yeah. Um, that like this, this confirmed it for me that it, that it, that really is how he views them. This movie 100% confirmed that to me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I really don't have much of a, a, a high opinion for, for and, this guy. And you, you know, <clears throat> Had it not been framed in such like a just disgusting device that he's using here, yeah. like that could be an interesting sort of um, like comment on on religion, like because they're basically saying that this inbred person is writing down nonsense. And then the elders are translating it and they're translating it into whatever the fuck they want. So they can yeah. make it whatever messaging they want. Yeah. So if that's supposed to be a comment, you know, commentary on religion, like that could be a really interesting idea. And, you know, you could be, maybe even make that more of the, you know, what you're trying to say in this film, but like, like everything, it's just something that's brought up and mm -hmm. it's blown over and it's not explained. And maybe it makes sense in his mind, but he doesn't let anyone else in on it. Yeah. When that's, it's, and that, I mean, that's a con. Like, we even have, I remember at the beginning, uh, 
Christian complains about how many hoops he has to go through just to get to have sex with, with Danny yeah. whenever they do have sex. And just like, that's, you know, how about we dig a little deeper into that? Cause that's what we call establishing characters. Yeah. They, n- none of these characters are actual developed rounded human beings that could exist in reality. No, not at all. They're all just weird, not even archetypes. They are just like these lazily slopped together viewpoints and counter viewpoints of this, clearly what this guy believes and what he insists is reality. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it was just, it was exhausting. I was legitimately getting mad trying to get through this movie. But hey, Alex, yeah. would you recommend this movie to a friend? Um, I would not recommend this movie. I'm sorry that I recommend this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I felt like it could make for some uh some somewhat interesting, if not a little frustrated and heated discussion. Um and I, I think we accomplished that. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I went into this movie thinking, well, it, I'm it's probably not going to blow me away because you know Hereditary didn't really and and the way he, this guy has been praised and stroked for both of his movies now really doesn't suggest somebody who's going to really grow from movie to movie. Yeah. So I went into this expecting very little, and I want that little. I want that little that I like like I gave this I gave this a half star on on Letterboxd. Yeah. Because there's like the cinema like I mean even there are even points in the movie where he does the whole like oh I'm going to have the camera stay upside down you know like watching them drive past and then oh the camera's upside down now. I'm yeah. so close like like nothing clever about it nothing scary about this movie nothing tense about this movie there's no tension in a movie when it takes over an hour for things to really start happening or when it takes you know there's an hour between things happening like when barely anything is happening for 75% of your movie and that last 25% is so thinly spread out you yeah. can't create an ounce of tension that can actually even make this movie be called a thriller. Yeah. It, like this is this is like an old B movie. This is one hundred percent. If like if he had made this movie first, his career would be over. <laughs> it would have yeah. like this movie would have gone straight to DVD. <laughs> he wouldn't have made like this movie would have made almost no money, and he would be making whatever he could get his hands on. I do not believe for a second he would have ha- I I do not believe he would have gotten the reception that he got for this movie if not for the goodwill from Hereditary. Yeah. But yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck fuck this movie and the shitty trying to be cutesy end credit song that kills the tension that doesn't exist at the end of the movie. Like, like literally the movie can't even end without pissing me off. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend this movie? Not only would I not recommend this movie, um, 
now that I've seen two of his films, I feel perfectly inclined to never watch another movie made by this guy ever again. Oh um, no, this is this is a commitment now. <laughs> no, it's really not. <laughs> three for three. Unlike Danny and Christian, I don't stay in a shitty relationship <laughs> for for literally no justifiable explanation or reason. That's completely untrue. We've been recording for over a year. Touche. Okay, so yeah, so that that was that was that. Um <laughs> I do, since so many people were doing, like, the trilogy comparison of of the people, I've seen both of Jordan Peele's, I've seen both of this asshole's movies, now I need to watch those two Eggers films, Witch and Lighthouse, um, just to kind of see all the comparisons where people were making about, like, debut movie versus sophomore movie and stuff like that, I do need to do that, so, I know Lighthouse is on Prime, I think Witch is on Prime or Netflix, so, yeah, I have been wanting to watch uh, watch his films. Um, can we include uh, the guy who directed? I think he wrote and directed The Lobster and The Killing of a Sacred Deer, or were those not his first two films? I don't know if those were his first two films, and he went on to make The Favorite. Uh, okay, so gotcha, gotcha. He like he is legitimately an I'm doing my own thing. And God help you if you are watching this without preparation. Um, he seems like he's legitimately one of those kinds of filmmakers. But again, he also, like, he recently made The Favorite. Um, and I think there's that new show with Nicholas Holt and Ellie Fanning. I think he's involved in it in some capacity. I may be wrong. Uh, but that show looks fucking hilarious. Um, so I... I mean, I don't even know his name. I, I just, I know of those films because I think one of them's on a streaming service and, um, they both have Colin Farrell. And, pretty sure. You know. I'm pretty sure killing and killing the sacred deer and lobster. I believe they're both on Netflix right now. Yeah. Uh, HBO well, has the take favorite, advantage of that. So. There'll be another movie when I'm, I'm testing HBO max to see if it's worth, um, spending the money on. Yeah, the favor will be another one that I that I watch while I'm taking advantage of that because, you know, you I've got a toddler and you're telling me a streaming service is coming out with a shit ton of fifty years worth of Sesame Street. Yeah. I, obviously, I'm gonna be going. Yeah, I should probably see if this is worth it. So, so have you seen any of the trailers for their original programming? Because they have Elmo's Not Too Late show. I know they're doing that, but here's the thing. Fuck Elmo. Um, I feel like Elmo, Elmo has, they have, that Sesame Street was a shit ton more educational before Elmo came along and became a fan favorite. Yeah. It's kind of like how once Kristen Wiig became the star of every single SNL comedy sketch, that was officially like put the nails in the coffin. SNL is permanently dead now. That sort of thing of, like, sacrificing quality for, you know, letting somebody who's got some popularity to them take over. So is Elmo the X-Men, or sorry, the Wolverine of uh, of Sesame Street? Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. 
That I that is a perfect comparison. <laughs> Elmo, Wolverine, same fucking thing. Yeah, I, I don't have quite the same uh, frustrations with Elmo that you do. My son really likes uh, Elmo. So. You, know, you know how you know how much I want to put up a photo online, even though I know I I'm not tech savvy enough to put do it right. Of yeah. a picture of Wolverine, like comic book, like roided out, intense Wolverine, an equal sign, and then a photo <laughs> of Elmo. I want to put that up with absolutely no context and see what happens. Only a select few will understand. Like, almost nobody will get it. And then there will be, like, two or three people that will comment going, Wow, so you don't like Elmo? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but they have uh, the Elmo Not Too Late show. And then have you seen the trailer for the new Looney Tunes? I have it's, it's like Looney Tunes cartoons. I have I have not seen it. I've heard I've heard different things about what they're doing with Looney Tunes. I've heard that they're going to be it's going to be old all the old ones plus some new ones. I've heard it's going to be like that the new ones are going to be reimaginings or redo like basically remakes of the originals. I've heard all sorts of different things at this point. Um I mean, I cannot imagine anything dumber than somebody saying, you know what would be a good idea? What if we remade Night of the Hair? Yeah. <laughs> People love yeah. that one. They want to see us just remake it instead of giving them the original operatic masterpiece, right? Yeah. The um, the trailer that I saw, it didn't look like it was um, a remake of anything. Um that's not to say that they might not be they might not be doing that um because yeah. i haven't heard anything like that um but it do, it does look like a very faithful um sort of like let's take let's take basically the same exact characters like it doesn't really look like any redesigns have happened um and let's just put them you know it, it basically in modern day yeah because uh, i mean Obviously, they're putting it on a streaming service, so Bugs Bunny has to make a comment of, like, I love these new streaming channels or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of hokey, but... Um, oh, nothing Nothing will ever... N- nothing will ever be as good as um, Big Big Mouth when, <laughs> when Nick gets grounded from Netflix and he has a complete mental breakdown <laughs> and just, th- like, throws a fit that he's not allowed to watch Netflix for a week. <laughs> Um, that is still my favorite self-serving self-promotion on any streaming service show. Yeah. You, you just can't top that one. It's just too damn good. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be interested to, to check it out, to see, um, what couple original things, um, that I've seen that, I, that look interesting. But even, I mean, even without original content, it's still like... I mean, a shit ton of, of Sesame Street, like we've talked about, oh, yeah. and Looney Tunes. Like for both of us with toddlers, that's that's a big win. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about Warner Brothers back catalog, which means basically all of Hanna Barbera, Cartoon Network, Looney Tunes. Yeah. Um, you, you, like all of this stuff, you know, now including HBO, Sesame Street. Like mm-hmm. this, this is this is big, especially if they're going to consolidate some of it, and that's part of my concern is that 
I think they're still trying to keep DC Universe alive. So I wonder how much DC content is going to be housed there and not um, also be available on HBO Max. Um, well, they've already talked about you're going to be able to... I know Doom Patrol for sure you're going to be able to watch on HBO Max because they keep mentioning that one. And gotcha. that's, the, that's the heavy hitter of the like DC streamer series. Yeah. Um, although, of what I've seen of it, including the, the free... on For free on YouTube pilot, I'd love the animated Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that's what everyone's talking about. Well, and that's exactly what I want. Like, yeah. that's what I want. If, if you're going to give me a Harley Quinn, that's it. Right there, you found it. You nailed it. You knocked it out of the park for me. Um, yeah. So, and also just some of the... Like, I think it's like Wayne Knight is playing... Um, is is the Penguin on the show, which is just hysterical to me. That's great. Um, but yeah, they've like they're on season two right now. Um Christopher Maloney is uh, Commissioner Gordon, and he's fucking hysterical. They, I watching the pilot, and he's standing like he's standing by the bat signal, is and like flip flipping it on and on, going, "I need Batman. I don't need Batman. I need Batman. I don't need Batman." It's just doing, and I, and it's you know it's Chris Maloney with his his brilliant comedic timing, so it's just great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm correct in thinking that that's, uh, that's, he was in, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Yes, he's the, the he's the cook. Yes. He, he is not, <laughs> he's not nearly enough things to see his comedic chops shine. He, that's the thing, he, and, he as a whole, his career is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Because you, like, there are so many people our age that know him both as the refrigerator-loving cook in Wet Hot American Summer, but also the sex crimes investigator from Law & Order SVU. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say that's how the majority of the world sees him. It's those. He also, he was fucking amazing on the HBO series Oz. Um, He, I loved him on Happy. I'm still bitter that that show got canceled. Yeah. Because it was so fucking good. Yeah. Um, well, season two just uh, came out on Netflix, so. Yeah. And you can do a rewatch now. Yeah. Every, you, you, season one has been a has been a default for me. Like, if I don't know what else to watch, a lot of the times I just turn on Happy. Yeah. And just have it playing in the background. Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's hysterical. Like, literally, I forget. Have you watched it yet? Have I... I've watched the first episode and a half or so. Nothing. For me, just a great defining moment of his character on that show is he wrecks a car. Like, literally, like, the car's on its side, airbags deployed. He has to kick the window. You know, he has to kick the sunroof to get himself out of the car. Yeah. And And he's in the middle of New York City. He's not, like... It's not like he's on, like, a country road. No, he's in the middle of the city. Yeah. So he does this, and then Happy's just like, I don't mean to be mean, but you're a really bad driver. And he just, with blood, you know, he's got blood all over him and stuff. And he's just like, nonsense. Look how much traffic we missed. <laughs> and it's, just, it's such a perfect moment on the show. They, yeah, it's a show, You, I know the second you start really watching it, 
you're probably going to be constantly texting me going, dude, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. What the fuck is happening right now? Well, this actually segues very, very well into what we've been watching. Um, because what hot American summer is, uh, was directed, written by David Wayne and includes tons of members of the state from MTV. Did you watch the state? I did not. You're missing out. That is one of the funniest, most, like, just surrealist comedy. Like, most of it's just nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, there's a sketch where um, I think it's Michael Ian Black is like, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, He's like Captain Pepper Jack or something like that. Like, it's, it's complete nonsense. Um... There's uh there's one where Michael Showalter, it, like he's trying to be a rebellious teenager, but his parents are like the coolest parents ever. Like his dad is the is a music producer who worked with Bob Dylan, so like all of his <laughs> friends wanna wanna hang out with his dad. And Michael Michael Showalter's character uh, Doug has this catchphrase that's like, "I'm out of here," and it just like it is hilarious in the to- in the context of the show, but uh all of the members of the state who are now under quarantine and lockdown and stuck in their houses redid a 24 year old sketch called porcupine railroad. And it's on David Wayne's Instagram. So if you have the ability to see to watch this, it is incredible. It's all of these people who you, who you've seen in everything. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> I always mess up his name because it's so close to Joe Maglianello. Um, but the Joe from, uh, from that's on Brooklyn nine, nine. Yes. Yeah. Like he was a part of the state, Michael Showalter, Michael Liam black, David Wayne, almost the entirety of the cast of Reno nine one one. Um, like all of these incredible actors and, and comedians were all a part of the state, um, back in the nineties. And, they'll only get together and do do these projects on occasion. And the fact that they were all stuck in their house and they all decided to record Por- Porcupine Railroad again um, is just really, like, incredible. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching a little bit of The State, and uh, I watched a another terrible horror movie called Eli on uh, Netflix. And you're... <laughs> I don't know if that would have been a better or worse pick. Tell me more. Um, It's about a boy who is apparently, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Jake Gyllenhaal in Bubble Boy. Like he, he's allergic to everything. The, the sky, the, the sun, the air, the water. Um, So he goes into this facility that is, you know, marketed as being able to cure him and treat him but he starts seeing these like ghostly visions while he's there um it's just a series of like really really poorly executed jump scares um i mean it's like this filmmaker does not know how to build tension like it's very obvious like He's about to close a mirror. Like you're gonna see a you're gonna see an image behind him, yeah. and then like he turns around and it's not there, and he turns back around and it is and it is there, and like 
none of these jump scares are effective because like it's it's literally just like highs and lows of like he turns around it's not there he turns back around like it's in his face and it has one of the worst twist endings i've ever seen in a film and it it honestly has to be seen to be believed I, I was I was about to say I on, I'm honestly tempted to watch this movie, um, just because it sounds so a, deliciously terrible. If you ever get a wild hair up your ass and you watch it, we will absolutely talk about it. <laughs> because if if for nothing else, it has a baffling ending. Like See, and, there is there is nothing into in the film to insinuate where this film is headed towards the end and it's it's just it's fucking like chef's kiss impeccable nonsense i'm i'm so (laughs) curious now to to how it ends (laughs) i'm really hoping it turns out that he's like in a video game simulation or something oh no 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 it's it's almost more bizarre than that I don't. I don't know. I've seen a movie where that's the plot twist at the end, and I, I still can't wrap my brain around that movie. No, that happened in the beginning. <laughs> Ready Player One. They tell you as soon as the as soon as it starts that he's in a simulation. I wasn't paying the fuck attention. All right, asshole. No, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about a completely different movie. Um, and not Serenity. Not that movie either. Um, where they they kind of sort of tell you a third of the way into the movie. Um, but yeah, I'll have to keep an eye on that. I've been, I've been shitty with watching movies. Not going to lie. I, uh, I just, I rewatched all of Stan against evil. Okay. Uh, which is fantastic and a must see for any, um, any of Dr. Cox's fans from scrubs. Um, but brilliant show that got canceled and it shouldn't have been, um, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and then, um, now I've been working on Veep since, uh, HBO right now has the whole series available for free on streaming services. Yeah. So I had seen the first two seasons, before so now i'm trying to watch the rest of the series before they stop giving it out for free at the end of the month um but it's i mean it's funny it's um i'm gonna say his name wrong i'm sure but armando Iannucci, who is famous for making the thick of it and in loop the death of stalin uh, just uh, one of the the best comedic writer directors out there these days and has a really great sense of how to do political comedy. Um, the the Julia Louise Dreyfus, of course is fantastic. Uh, Tony Hale. I honestly like him better in this than I do in Arrested Development. Um, there, the characters are not too dissimilar, but I think it works better on this show. Um, and then they have some fantastic guest stars that show up. The, I'm getting to a stint on the show now that includes Patton Oswalt and Hugh Laurie. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really, really not sad that I'm, that I'm going to be experiencing that on the screen. Um, yeah, I'm just trying, I'm trying to like power through that. Um, 
I've got a few other things I know I need to watch. Um, slightly reluctant to watch some of them, but whatever. Um, Have you watched Death of Stalin? I know you've mentioned it. Oh, I saw it in theaters. I saw that in theaters. Phenomenal. Hysterical movie. It's on Netflix. Watch it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen it, you know, scrolling past. I have, I have been debating it. Yeah, stop debating. Watch the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just get, I started just getting really mean and aggressive for the rest of the episode. The, you, I know, you, that's fine. I made you sit through Midsummer. I you can, I you can keep take some abuse. You keep trying to stop the episode, and I'm just like, no, I've I've got the stop button on my end, motherfucker. <laughs> this isn't over yet. <laughs> We're gonna, it's gonna be like Midsummer. It's gotta be two hours and forty seven minutes or whatever. Two hours and forty seven minutes where the la- where it's very clear that the movie thinks you want it to keep going. <laughs> That movie really wanted, really thought that you that the audience was going. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep the movie going. I don't care that it's almost over. Keep it going. Never oh, yeah. stop this movie. Yeah. You know this. <laughs> to keep shitting on Midsummer. Yep. It is like the opposite of how I felt when Captain America lifted Mjolnir. It is. It is the exact opposite of that intense rush of satisfaction that I received. It's it's like when I watched Boyhood and 12 Years a Slave where I was really mad that I had to keep watching the movie. It's just there are some movie like it's it's one thing when a movie is so bad and I can just turn it off and be like, "Well, fuck you. I ain't finishing you. I don't care how like I don't I don't care." But you know, I it started game point. You know, my wife started pointing out to me when we were still li- living out in California. She was because I I watched Boyhood because I wanted people. You know, people kept talking about it, and I knew it was going to suck, but I decided to watch it anyway. And I literally at one point during that movie looked at her and said, "Can I please stop watching this movie?" <laughs> and she immediately went, "You can, but then you're not. You can't say anything about it because you didn't finish it." And so. Now, certain movies, I watch them, I get mad while I watch them. And she knows why. She knows exactly why. Like, if I tell her I'm getting mad watching a movie, she knows why. She knows it's because the movie is shit. I want to turn it off, but I know I have to watch it to be be allowed the right to an opinion. (laughs) To be allowed the right to a full critical opinion of the movie. Yeah, that's fair. So. Ugh. Oh, I'm getting boyhood flashbacks now. Oh my god, Patricia Patricia Arquette was so fucking bad in that movie. <laughs> Better than Midsummer flashbacks. <sighs> I'll get those soon enough. <laughs> I'm sure I'll eventually get those too. Alright. Anything else you need to plug? Um or wanna talk about? Can't think of too too much off the top of my head. Just um, you know, a reminder that um that we are on Twitter at movies work. It's usually me on there ranting and rambling. So if you disagree with something that Alex said, you can put it on there, but he might not see it. Um, <laughs> Tom will inform me of it. I'll, I'll relay it. I'll be like, dude, people are bit, pissing on your opinions, man. It's great. <laughs> no, I won't do that. I'll defend, I'll defend his honor. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> for the most part. But, um, 
we also have moviesafterwork at gmail.com. If you want to email us, talk to us about um, any thoughts or opinions you have, any ideas that you have uh, for future episodes, please let us know about them. Um, make sure that you're, you know, we try, I, I try, since, I, since I'm shit at doing the Follow Fridays, if you're on Twitter, um, I try to always reach retweet ones that were involved that that include us because those are the ones always consistently pop up in my feed um so make sure if you see you know if you're if you see a follow friday especially if somebody has you listed on it try to make sure that you're actually following all the other people on that follow friday um you know a lot of a lot of our good friends that we have here in this community that's that was a starting point so Make sure you're yep. doing that. Make sure you sh- make sure you're spreading that love. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else from you, Mister Duez? No, I think I'm good. Alrighty. Well, in that case, this is uh, Thomas Green. This is Alex Duez. All right. Stay safe. Stay home. Enjoy a good movie. Bye-bye. Bye bye.